0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here of the Cover 3 College Ball Podcast. Really appreciate you joining us. And this is another edition of our summer school series where we take my notes and we ask an expert from the 24-7 Sports Network about kind of where we're right, where we're wrong, what we're expecting about these teams. And uh, today we're going to talk a little Mississippi State Bulldogs. Had another strong year under Mike Leach. And to help us out, we're going to bring on Robbie Falk of Mississippi State 24-7 Sports. Robbie, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Bud. Good to be here. Pretty uh, pretty good mood in Starkville, I, I would think, coming off the year they had and, and all they bring back this year. You would think so, but it's it's kind of
2: uh, apathy. Is that the word? I mean, oh man, I, I know. Isn't it strange? I mean, at, at a place like Mississippi State, where it's, people have kind of grown accustomed to, you know, if you can get to a ball game, you can beat Ole Miss. You're, you're in good shape, and the problem is they're not beating Ole Miss. They are getting to the bowl games, but it's kind of you know by default. I mean, everybody's getting to a bowl game now. Um, and just the way that the season ended last year, I think left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. You, you, you had kind of a strong close until you get to the Egg Bowl. You know, it's a rainy night in Starkville. You drop a couple of touchdowns, and you end up losing that ball game uh, with a chance to go to a significantly better bowl if you win. And then you go and, and you play Texas Tech in, in Memphis, and you just fall flat on your face. You had a lot of guys out with COVID, yeah, Charles Cross and Martin Emerson setting out for the NFL draft, and it was just not a good performance. And I think just those last two ball games really put a bad taste in the mouths of fans. When in reality, it was a big step forward, I thought, for Mississippi State in year two yeah. under Mike Leach. You go from um, scoring, you know, twenty points a game or whatever he did in year one, and um, at times not able to really move the football like they wanted to to really being a consistent offense and seeing a lot of growth from Will Rogers in year two. So I think there should be more excitement about this team going into this season because in all reality, you're returning the bulk of this offense. You're returning a lot of big pieces on defense. And I feel like Mike Leach gets better and better as he kind of moves along, especially in year three when he has uh, his, his system implemented for three seasons.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, you mentioned that offense uh, opponent adjusted; they were 28th nationally. I, I take out the bowl game numbers and in, in, my, in my own numbers because I feel like nowadays bowl games are, are more a uh, little more noise than they are signal. Uh, but Will Rogers, uh, very strong year last year. You get most of the skill vision guys back. You do lose Makai Polk, uh, Malik Heath at receiver, um, but you get they throw the ball to, to Marks at an absolute ton. Uh, you get Wally. You get you get you know John. They throw the ball to Johnson a good bit as well. Um, passing game wise, I think this sets up fine. But but I do have some questions about the offensive line. Uh, you know, lo- losing Charles Cross, losing Sharp, losing Scott Lashley. Uh, how worried are you about about what they have up front?
2: Well, they actually got Sharp back for six years. Um, oh, they did. It, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so that was a huge piece to return at center, but you're missing your two tackles, and that's that's a major concern. You're missing a guy that's going to be picked in the first round um, of the NFL draft and Charles Cross, probably one of, if not the best left tackles you've ever had, especially in the passing game. Um, so you know you're probably not going to be better at that position, but you don't have to be better than Charles Cross there. You just have to be adequate. You just have to be have somebody come in there and not have Will Rogers running for his life. Um, and at right tackle, they didn't have a great season from Scott Lashley. Um, so you need somebody to be a little bit a little bit better than what he was last year. And there are some pieces there. They brought in the number one uh, tackle in, in Juco and Percy Lewis. They uh, have a couple of other pieces that I feel like could slide in there. Cam Jones is an experienced lineman that they could play at right tackle if they needed to, but he's probably better at guard. Uh, you'd like to keep him at guard. So um, there's there's really a lot of question marks there, and I don't know if a whole lot got answered in the spring because they were moving a lot of guys um, around. So, you know, that'll be something that's going to have to be settled in the fall, but it has to be settled in the fall. You can't go into that first game with a ton of question marks at tackle, especially in an offense that's going to pass the ball 50-plus times a game. No doubt about it.
1: Um, I, well, are you worried at all about receiver with, with, with Polk and Heath leaving? Or you just trust Mike Leach; is gonna get guys catch the ball.
2: Yeah, yeah, I th- I feel like they're gonna have some guys step up there. I mean, it's kind of that's kind of what this offense is. It just kind of filters in all these receivers, and um, you know, it is a concern who's gonna replace 105 catches or whatever Makai Polk had. I mean, that's a that's a lot of catches that I don't know if one person can make up. And 140 um, targets. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, he he was he was super reliable too and he was your red zone threat um he was a guy that could win one-on-one battles down the field he could uh shield off somebody in the end zone and have a 10-yard catch you know at the pylon so somebody's gonna have to step up and do that i think Ra Ra thomas could make a big jump this year he showed a lot of things as a true freshman last year had a pretty good spring he was kind of a surprise you know he was a south carolina commit for a while and they had the coaching change, and he he steps out of his recruiting for a little bit. And Mississippi State was able to snag him late. I, I think he could have a big season, um, and I think you know Tula Griffin's another player that could make a big jump this year. I don't think he was getting the targets that he needs. Um Caleb Ducking is a guy that I think it could emerge as a, as a guy to replace Malik Heath possibly. So there's some there's some options there. Rufus Harvey took a step I thought in spring a guy that's been injured a lot and hasn't got a chance to get in there. He's not a big receiver, but he plays big. He can win one-on-one battles, has really good hands. There's some options there. Jaden Wally, I didn't think had uh, the season that he wanted to last year as a sophomore after having that big freshman year. So I think there's some players that could definitely step in. But, again, some more question marks there. There's a lot of guys that haven't had those opportunities,
1: um, a lot like the tackles that you're going to see out there. For sure. Uh, defensively, I, you got to like what you have coming back. Top four defensive linemen in terms of snap count. Looks like four of the top five, or uh, excuse me, six of the top seven linebackers return as well. Uh, this should be a pretty loaded front seven, correct?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think the, the front seven should be pretty good. And you have some questions on the back end. And you still have a couple questions at linebacker, but uh, you return enough production there, you feel pretty good about it. Um, I think the big piece that Mississippi State's adding that they didn't have last year was Jordan Davis, who was going to be their, their best rusher at, at end, and he went down with a torn ACL before the season. So you get him back, you add him into the mix of what you're returning, and I really like this group. He didn't play in the spring, but he's going to be ready for fall, and uh, I think he adds a ton to what they got returning. Nathan Pickering is back. Jaden Crumity is back. Uh, you have Cam Young in the middle that's played a lot of snaps. It's going to be really good. Uh, Demonte Russell, who had took a big step last year. So the defensive line is getting back to more of that traditional Mississippi State front that has been so good um, in years yeah. past. You know, the guys that have come out there. I think you're going to see a couple more NFL guys in this group too. Uh, so I think they're getting back to that. I thought the linebacker crew really surprised me last year. I thought they were really good with – Buki Watson and Jet Johnson was a big surprise. He's returning. And then you're adding in a couple of uh, guys that didn't play much last year. He lost Aaron Brule, which I thought was uh, a guy that could really help you from a depth perspective. He goes to Michigan State, but uh, the front seven as a whole looks really good.
1: Back end, I've always been a Martin Emerson guy. You know, he, he was up here in the panhandle of, of, of Florida where I am. And I just, I, I thought he was, uh, I wasn't working for 24 seven sports at the time, but I, I, I thought, uh, you know, when I saw him, I was like, this, this kid's good. I mean, like, you know, at, at a different network at the time, um, uh, he ended up being a great, great get for Mississippi state and, uh, he ended up being, he'll probably get, get drafted. Right. I, I would, I would think.
2: Yeah. Uh, he, he's getting some second, third, fourth round grades. I, 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 would expect him to go off the board probably
1: on Friday. Nice. And then, uh, obviously lose Fred Peters as well, uh, do you think this is a significant downgraded unit or just is the goal kind of hold, sir? What, what, what are you feeling here? Yeah, it's going to be a wait and
2: see for me. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to have anybody like Martin Emerson out there. Emmanuel Forbes, I think is going to be really good. He's, he's been good the last two years, but you know, Emerson was, was top five graded cornerback in the sec in coverage, um, uh, the last couple of years. So, he is going up against some of the best wide receivers. He's going up against the best, whoever the best is in the SEC um, every game, and he's held his own. Um, you know, he had uh, a good showing against Georgia a couple of years ago. And the freaks that they have out there, he's had some good showings against Alabama. So that's a huge guy to, to replace. But I thought DeCameron Richardson took a huge step in the spring um, really athletic kid from Louisiana, a kid that Joe Moorhead, when he was here, they thought they got a steal, and we actually gave him a four-star rating late in the process. And he was kind of a late bloomer, uh, just a really freakish athlete that I think could really blossom into a good cornerback. And then you go out and you go get Marcus Banks from Alabama, who should add some good depth for him. Um, and you go out and get the Carlos Nicholson, who was the top, one of the top rated defensive backs in Juco last year, but he's a guy that was playing quarterback a couple years ago. This is a new position and very raw player. So you're talking about some guys that don't have a lot of reps. Marcus Banks didn't have a ton of reps at Alabama. Uh, DeCameron Richardson just got on the field last year. Cornerback's going to be a a big question mark. And then at the safety position, there's there's some questions there as well, but I thought Jackie Matthews was a good ad from West Virginia, who's going to help them back there. And then you have... Uh, several guys returning that are veterans that should be um, experienced. Um, you just got to have the athletes back there to compete on a, on a down to down basis with some of the
1: best in the sec. We're, we're talking to Robbie Falk, our Mississippi state 24 seven sports expert here on the country podcast, summer school series. Um, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Uh, field goal and punting last year was really a, a, a problem. Uh, they were actually, uh, 124th in terms of uh field goal available points which is not a great i mean i know mississippi state don't kick a ton of field goals but they still kick it you know some and uh, that's that's a problem when when, when you're 100 124th uh, and then punting uh punt efficiency was also bottom 15 in the country is that are they, what are they doing something different here bringing us different guys or are they, they trying you know having tryouts what, what, what are they looking at oh yeah mike leach was
2: uh was adamant and. Upgrading that spot, he uh he moved his running backs coach to special teams coach Eric Melee, and he also got a new kicker and a new punter and went out and you know got some guys to walk on as well. But he he spent scholarships <laughs> on kickers and punters, and in the middle of the season last year, he had a tryout and like publicly called out the, the kicking situation. It was that bad. I mean, it, yeah, it, oh yeah, you, you which. Can't. In 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 defense of that unit, Brandon Ruiz was supposed to be the guy, and he was dealing with injuries all year, and um, so that was a significant blow to them. But yes, kicking cost them the, the Arkansas game, quite possibly cost them the Memphis game, hurt them in the LSU game. There was two or three games that it that it cost them that they could have won those ball games.
1: Uh, so they were they two all, of ten on field goals from forty to forty nine yards. Very bad, and they yeah they, <laughs> yeah. they absolutely. try to rag all the kids, but that that does lose you games.
2: I mean, they absolutely lost the game against Arkansas because of kicking. They missed They missed like a 25-yard field goal. They missed another field goal with a chance to tie the game. So, yeah, it was bad. But they went out and got uh, Massimo Biscardi from Coastal Carolina, who should be really good for them. Got a couple of, of transfers in that, that are walking on. And then George George Jachopoulos, I think is how you say his name, from uh, UMass, who uh, has some really good numbers at UMass. And I you think those punts all
1: the time. So. Yeah,
2: so <laughs> th- go get the people that, that aren't doing anything offensively and go check out their punting numbers and see. So, yeah, and, and you know, they, they returned um, a guy, Archer Trafford, who I thought was, was solid last year when he got an opportunity. But it should be an upgrade in special teams this year, which State desperately needs because it really did cost them two or three ballgames, which is the difference in playing in Memphis and playing in Florida somewhere.
1: No doubt. Uh, he dropped, uh, I just looked it up, the kid dropped uh, just over 30% of his punts inside the 20. So, that is an improvement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it can't get much worse
2: than the situation <laughs> they had in special teams last year. It's, yeah. it's almost impossible.
1: A, a, absent being Nebraska's punting, that was, uh, mm, they're, they're, they're 130 <laughs> out of 130 with a bullet. Hey, Robbie, I really enjoyed this as always. We'll have to have you back on Cover 3 uh, in the fall to do a little final preview of Mississippi State. Everybody, please check out Mississippi State 24-7 Sports. Those guys do a great job as Mississippi state again tries to fight and claw in the SEC West. It is uh it's never easy.
2: No, it's not. I appreciate you, bud. We're just trying to make it through the uh the spring here, a tough baseball season. These fans love baseball and it's tough right now and then we're going to have the dog days of summer could get hot in Mississippi. No doubt about it.
1: Hey guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 podcast. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Summer School, where we take art experts from the 24-7 Sports Network and go over a team. And today, we're pleased to be joined by David Johnson of Inside the Rebels, covering all things Ole Miss. Uh, David, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks, Bud. Glad to be on.
1: Yeah, man, I, absolutely. So last year, a, a tremendous season for Ole Miss. Top 15 level team on the power ratings, 10-3 and three in the record book. Went to the Sugar Bowl. Um uh, Things seem to be going really well for Lane Kiffin there overall.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the biggest question mark after that season pulled in uh, with the loss to Baylor in the Sugar Bowl was, uh, you know, could they restock the through the transfer portal? And, man, did they ever. Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin with the, the number one class in the country as far as transfer portals go. And, uh you know, um, we got a good glimpse of those guys over the last month or so during spring practice, and uh, some really, really good pickups for Lane. Some that, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the verdict is still out, so to speak, on what kind of impact they're going to make. But overall, I think a really good class, and I think Ole Miss is, uh positioned itself, as long as they can iron out a few wrinkles over the offseason, to, to have a similar performance. Uh, this fall
1: let's let's start with quarterback obviously we're we're recording this before the nfl draft it'll actually air uh after the nfl draft but uh, they they are losing matt corral to the draft uh you you have jackson dart the the electric transfer from usc and you Mm -hmm. have luke altmeyer who I, i know a lot of coaches were very high on as a recruit we got to see a little glimpse of him in the sugar bowl uh is there first of all from reading your report, it doesn't seem like dart has totally locked this thing down, regardless of who wins. Is, is there any chance that this is not a, a drop-off in performance?
0: No, there's no chance at all. N- neither Luke Altmeyer or Jackson dart is Matt Corral. And I don't think anybody should really expect either one of them to be. Um, now, does that, does that translate into them not winning as many games this fall? Not necessarily, but, uh, You you brought up one thing where Jackson Dart may, you know, uh, not be the guy right now that everybody in Oxford was hoping he would be in January when his recruitment was going on. Uh, He does have a tremendously high ceiling, he's got a great arm. Uh, You know, Lane said after the growth on Saturday that. You know, and it was not a good day for Jackson Dart. Uh, you know, he threw a pick six, he threw another interception, he finished 11 for 30. Um, that he thought Jackson was on the field trying to win the job, whereas he really needs to kind of play in the system a little bit. And he's been on campus what three months now. And um, Luke Altmyer's got a got a year and three month head start on him. And uh, Luke is more comfortable in the system. Uh, I think he knows more of what Lane expects from the quarterback position. And I think it's up to Jackson Dart between now and fall camp to to grasp those things and, and ascend to the level of uh, winning the starting job. If not, Luke Altmaier, he, he's, he's not shabby himself, a former four-star recruit. Uh, you know, Luke's ready to grasp this job. If Jackson doesn't come on uh, between now and September the third, when they open the season against Troy,
1: at, at the running back spot, they 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 do lose Ely, they, they lose Connor uh, and, and Parrish, but I feel like if you bring in Evans and, and Bentley uh, from TCU and SMU respectively, you, you got to be feeling pretty good there. I so I I want to ask you about receiver, um, where, where I guess I have more questions, um, yeah. unless I'm wrong about running back. I, I assume running backs will be just fine.
0: No, running backs are, uh, you know, my take from spring, I think Ole Miss can have a better group of running backs uh, than they had last year. Zach Evans, Ulysses Bentley, um, a kid named Kentrell Bullock, who has just been a reserve here throughout his time at Ole Miss. Uh, he, he he can run the ball. And then they signed a, a kid from Alabama, true freshman, here early, Quinshawn Judkins, and uh, let me tell you, Quinshawn will make some level of contributions in the backfield this fall. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think he's better than what his uh, four star rating was coming out of high school. I mean, I'm telling you, this kid can play. So the Rebels are loaded in the backfield. I think the production is going to be there as well behind a really good line.
1: No doubt about it. All right, I, I, that is a name that we will put we'll put down here in the book. Uh, so at receiver, replacing Drummond, replacing Sanders, or, or, you know, replacing Pearson, Watkins from Louisville comes in, uh, Trigg obviously comes in from USC. Uh, I assume both those guys are, are coming in to start. Uh, do you see a drop-off here? Is, is there anybody from the existing roster that we should know about who, who you would project uh, to, yeah. to step up and take a starting spot?
0: Yeah, I mean, you have Jonathan Mingo coming back. And Mingo is, you know, if you want to compare him to somebody, you could – maybe call him A.J. Brown light. Um, he's got those physical characteristics that A.J. Brown has. Um, you know, he was he was kind of hindered by injuries last year. He was hurt Saturday, did not play in the spring game. Uh, you know, and, and I would start there talking to him and talking about wide receivers. Michael Trigg is a huge upgrade for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, back in January when Trigg and Dart both came from USC, um uh, they were searching for a home. It was more like, uh, Ole Miss was really recruiting Jackson Dart and coming with him. Whereas, you know, it's kind of ended up being spring trig was the huge hit, And, uh, you know, Dart is, Dart is out there battling for the quarterback's job, but, uh, those two guys are going to be special. Jordan Watkins, I think, could certainly end up starting at the slot. Uh, he, is, uh, he is more than a serviceable receiver, as he proved in Louisville. But, um, you know, Ole Miss is not through recruiting wide receivers, through the transfer portal. They're after uh, several other guys. So this wide receiver core, when we get into fall camp in August, it's going to look different. Than what it looked like this spring, there are going to be two, maybe even three in that room. And, uh, you know, understand where their weakness may be on the offensive side of the ball. They're trying to remedy it right now.
1: For sure. I I feel like the offensive line uh, has a chance to be potentially a lot better with, with the Western Kentucky transfer and, and just some of these young guys growing up. You know, when I watched him last year, David, it was, I feel like they had to get Corral involved in the run game a lot when teams played this drop eight stuff on them. But also, at, at times, like the, the movement in the run game wasn't always as good as maybe they had hoped. Uh, I, am I wrong
0: to think their offensive line could be more physical and better? Oh, well, I think you're exactly the first five. First five are very good. I would say out of that group, four of the five of them probably have future NFL careers. Um, I think Jeremy James a level could could surprise a lot of people and and be a high round draft pick after this season he's that good uh you mentioned Mason Brooks coming from Western Kentucky look the guy is a bulldozer road grader very smart kid he's going to play right tackle this year um you know and they're they're pretty strong in the interior with the first five the question with the o line is can they stay healthy can they stay away from having to get into some uh, a lot of unproven depth right now just to be honest with you. They've got a lot of good young kids uh, behind those front five, but are they really out there and play SEC football? That's the question right now with the O-line.
1: No doubt about it. I I, I assume we're not going to see a lot of schematic differences in the offense with, 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 with the change from Levy to Charlie Weiss Jr., just because it's still kind of Lane's offense, right?
0: Yeah, it is Lane's offense. I think what you are going to see are – a whole bunch of new wrinkles and twists, you know, Uh, different things that they are doing. We didn't get to see a lot of that in the spring, obviously, with the spring game and practices in front of the media. They kind of kept things vanilla a little bit. But, uh, you know, talking to some of the players on the team, there are going to be some wrinkles in this offense, some new things that Charlie kind of brought in with him. So, you know, we're excited to see it. And, but but you're right about one thing. It's Lane Kiffin's offense. They're going to go 100 miles per hour. They're going to try to snap the ball 900 times a ball game, and uh, we'll see what happens. But it to be fun.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, defensively, I, I I have a lot of uh, a lot of questions about about this team. So obviously they, they lose the D.C. Durkin to Texas AM, and M, but you have, have partners and Crum as as co-D.C.s. I thought last year's defense was pretty effective and unique. I mean they were top 35. Power rated, you know, opponent adjusted, excellent, really excellent pass defense, a horrendous run defense. But I was almost like, by design, I felt like watching them just based on how they played some of the stuff. They were okay giving up the run, and then they're like, I oh, will just try to stop you in the red zone. They almost never allowed explosive plays. It was, it was effective. I, I, schematically and just strategy wise, are you expecting a, a similar, uh, similar strategy for, from the new DCs?
0: Yeah, with a little bit more gambling. Um, okay. You know, we, we saw a little bit of that from Chris Partridge uh, during our viewings this spring where, you know, Chris is uh, – he, he's not afraid to take a chance. And I think you're going to see Ole Miss, uh, you know, do that this fall. They they remedied their depth issues on the defensive line. I mean, you know, some big-time transfers coming in here. J.J. Piggies from Auburn. You know, they're lining Piggies up at nose tackle. Now he hmm. he's capable enough. He can play a three tech or a four eye if he has to, and I mean him in there. Knuckle creates a whole new line of a pass rush for Ole Miss. They're pressuring the quarterback from the gut this year. At least that's what we saw in spring. And uh, you know they're they've got eight, nine, maybe even ten guys that they can play at rotation. So losing a Sam Williams is a big thing, but. You know, when you look out there on the edge and there's Cedric Johnson, who who had half sacks last year himself. He's back. He's bigger. He's faster. He's stronger. He's smarter. Uh, You know, I I think Ole Miss is going to look like a different defense this year. The secondary is fine. I mean, they're solid and deep in the secondary. The only question mark right now is linebacker. Uh, You know, they lost some good linebackers last year, Mark Robinson, Chance Campbell. Both those guys are gone, so you got to replace those guys. Uh, Campbell was their lead tackler. You know, so I I think that's another area that you're going to see Ole Miss between now and July really hit the portal on is trying to bring in another linebacker, maybe even two guys, uh, depending on how wide receiver numbers shake out and all that. Uh, to to kind of shore up the final piece of this defense, but what I see this year from Ole Miss, a lot of the same you saw last year, but 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 with a little more edge to it. I think they're going to blitz more. They're going to take chances. They're going to try to disrupt the offense.
1: Wow, that that's going to be you know quite quite the departure for, from what we saw last year when they were really. Uh, you know sort of, or, sort of almost more uh, Arkansas style if you will just kind of it was a lot of drop eight stuff and yeah uh, and see what happens when you when you get into the red zone Um I circling back to, to the D line there uh, the the one that I I can certainly buy and and obviously I believe in a lot of the guys that Old Miss has brought in I do wonder if you know nationally we, we we talk about a lot of these teams you know Michigan losing Hutchinson and Georgia losing all these guys it Sam Williams was just so productive last year I mean, he, he had tripled the tackles for loss mm-hmm. of the rest of the defensive line returning combined like that's i feel like that's a lot to ask those guys to make up for his production i know they'll try to do it with, with depth and a, a, as a team but that probably plays into a lot to what you're saying david as far as having to you know either wanting to blitz more or, or having to blitz more if you don't have him you know creating a, a pressure rate at, at such an absurd number
0: yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, Sam will be missed. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I- I'm telling you, Cedric Johnson is a kid that uh, he has the body, and I mean, he's a little bit of a proven commodity. Again, with six and a half sacks last season. Uh, you know, I think Partridge is itching to turn said loose on that defensive end, at the defensive end position, and, and, and let him roll. So I don't know. Yeah, you may get less production from that spot uh, I guess simply because Sam isn't there but you may not I mean I mean there there are enough guys that they can play across that defensive line that uh, I mean I tell you I think the Ole Miss coaching staff believe that area is probably one of the strongest if not the strongest on the team with the guys they brought in and improvement of other players
1: that's that's really saying something David that is that is awesome man um, well, hey, we really appreciate your appearance here on Summer School for the Cover 3 Podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll be sure to have you on again come fall. All right, but Thanks for having me on. All right, David. Thanks so much, man. All right, that's the bell. Cover 3 College Football Summer School is over for today. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast, and we'll see y'all soon.